Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. There was a lot of emotion swirling around Lands End Road on Saturday, right from the moment Johnny Sexton let it all out in the pre-match anthems. So perhaps you can forgive one or two of the key participants for failing to hide their true feelings at the two key refereeing moments of the game. You're welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Podcast. Hey, Simon. Hey, Owen, how are you? Hey, Murph. Hey, Owen, how's it going? Hey, Ken. Hey, Owen, how are you? The look on the face of touch judge Matthew Carley after Wayne Barnes had completed his... <laughs> Incredibly complex <laughs> mental gymnastics routine and settled on only a yellow card for Unai Antonio, despite Antonio slamming his shoulder into the head of Rob Herrick. It just it hinted at some possible discord among <laughs> the officiating team. I'm not sure they all felt that a yellow was was sufficient for this particular offence. And then there was James Lowe's facial expression after he'd completed his incredibly complex physical gymnastics routine <laughs> to touch down in the corner for a try. Poker face. He surely thought was about to be chalked <laughs> off because he had his foot in touch. Did the TMO have access to that particular replay of Lowe's? reaction because that's all he needed to look at <laughs> exactly. and he would have known that this was not a trap. No, that was that was a replay we all saw yeah. while the decision was being made on. There you was, were outraged by this, Murph, this entire well, process. I have to say, on what I saw on Saturday. Is this how we want to win? I mean, we, sure, we've got a Grand Slam now in the bag, effectively, but at what cost, on? At what cost? We have to be able to get up as Irish people in the morning and look at ourselves in the mirror. Yeah. And what I saw on Saturday for that James Lowe try, well, I just don't know. I just don't know what happened because I went back last night. I was like, first, obviously, I was swept up in the emotion of the game. Like Brian O'Driscoll and others. Sure. Not I, Brian O'Driscoll. I'll come to Brian O'Driscoll later. Yeah. Sure, I... I did note with interest the fact that there was an extremely incriminating replay shown mere seconds after the conversion had been kicked. I was like, "That's that was kind of weird, but let's keep going." But I, I slept on it, and I, you know, I something rankled with me. I couldn't, you know, I just, I just, I, I, I you know, I couldn't let it lie. I, my brain was just a whirling dervish of of emotion. So I went back last night, tried to calmly pick through what I yeah. saw on L- the like, early feed. Yeah, it's like a Murray Kinsler tactical yes. 
piece explaining how the tries are scored. This is how you forensically approached this. So the try goes over in the corner. I start my stopwatch. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I started my stopwatch. Don't think Murray has a stopwatch, but go on. There was one replay from directly behind the goals. Mm -hmm. There's a camera right there in that corner. That was shown four times. There was a mobile cameraman, so a camera mounted on his shoulder right beside the incident. That replay was shown once. There was a side-on angle from the back of the lower tier of the stand. That replay was shown twice. It took two minutes and seven seconds for the TMO to Mm -hmm. make an adjudication on this. Plenty of time, you would have to say. And then three minutes and 32 seconds after the try is awarded, we were presented with this whole new mystery angle from behind the, from behind the uh, uh, James Lowe as he's running in, which shows his foot is in touch. I actually thought one of the previous ones showed it pretty clearly as well. But I continue. mean, this fourth replay. I mean, I, I, I discovered on further investigation that these four cameras are called, what, on The TMO cameras. So... If you're a director of a, uh, of, a, of a rugby match and you're called to adjudicate on a TMO uh, referral, would you not think to check all four of the TMO cameras? At three, it'll show you enough. Three of the four will be fine. And yet, you've got two minutes and seven seconds to make a decision. In fact, you've got four minutes and 14 seconds if you prefer. You've got as much time as you like. But the fourth TMO angle was not shown to the, as far as we could see, not shown in the stadium, not shown to the, the well, watching it's not, it's not a case of not, not being shown to the TMO. The TMO has to decide. The TMO is the one who's making his own calls, right? Wow. He's got access to all these shots, Own. same shots as everyone else does. I feel like there is a lot but, of, there's a lot of room for woolly thinking here. And you, I don't know, I don't know if it's, if it's the RT feed, RT were the host broadcasters, if RT, or if the entire Six Nations itself is being run in this shambolic manner. Oh, apparently, apparently, this is explained, apparently it's a Six Nations production team who's in charge of those pictures. And yet all so these... So it's, uh, really it's not really a patriotic thing we're getting But when I, when I watch games in the Six Nations and uh, mystery angles like this are suddenly presented after the fact, it does appear to be more often than not, the home country that benefits from these mystery angles being buried all, we, we have all shouted at the TV, particularly <laughs> for this matches in France. Fucking French director! What the hell is going on? Well, here we are, Owen. Well, sorry, is, we there, sorry we... is there evidence in the fourth angle that his toe actually makes contact with the ground? Like, yeah. there's compression of the toe on the mud? Or does he, like, graze a couple of dandelions? I want you to investigate very closely the word graze there because that does suggest that the, his foot He's touches it. the yeah. line yeah, therefore yeah, yeah. It's say, say, so if the grass is long say the grass was long yeah. his toe is allowed does it have to yes. touch the mud or the no, it, blade it, of grass what, what is this guy I mean that's I, what I'm saying I'm thinking one of the uh, one of the replays that you're looking directly at James Lowe. To me, it's quite clear his right foot mm. grazes on. It seems to be but it's not like a, a winger running along the touchline and then his studs sink into the soil it doesn't have it's, to sink into the soil. Is, his toe is you don't have to floating the just force. above the grass. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is unbelievable. It's a bit these, of a... Bit of a I just want you to have a think, Murph, about the nice days your that Irish Rugby has given you in the past. Simon was at the game as well. We'll do you know, so in the so future. He was caught up in all of it, weren't you? Yeah. I was at the game. It was incredible. Ken, will you take this victory, even sullied as it is, by the latest breach of rules and etiquette in Irish sport? Well, I saw this instance and, you know, there was... The suggestion that the toe might have brushed across some of the tops of the blades of grass mm-hmm. without downward pressure. 
and <laughs> so there has to be downward pressure of the boot on the ground now as well that's what it's, saying. It's, it's, it's not downward pressure this downward pressure that you know suddenly oh we don't need downward pressure for this this is you know, <laughs> like be, be consistent but the main thing i've i felt um because this is quite early in the in the weekend mm. um but that i just seem to spend all my time now watching super slow motion replays yeah, of there was, there was a lot in football there was a lot in the Premier League I'm sure we'll hear and then, that and then they just day. issue the wrong decision <laughs> you know? yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know this is this somehow is what we're all doing now yeah, like yeah. I mean it was the, there was the Ireland game there was the Arsenal game I mean Arsenal just getting absolutely oh, ridden right uh, Brighton got screwed as well um, Listen, and then Ken. there was the Super Bowl yeah I mean the Super Bowl it was just not. I was like, well, I can't concentrate on this. Why? I'm just showing. They're just showing over and over again this catch. There's nothing wrong with it. The guys, he's got it. And and the commentators are saying stuff like, I don't know what a catch is and what's not a catch anymore. <laughs> I just sit on the fence. And I'm like, these. This is this is an old guy who's this been is, watching American football all his life. He has no idea what's going on. This is sport. Like, is, is this is this good? Like is this like before we had this? Was everyone like, oh, this is no good? Like this. I just am not kind of interested in this. I th I'm not, this doesn't grab me. You know, I wish that I could, I wish that we could all stand around for the next 10 minutes while a bunch of people watched a bunch of slow motion replays and then made the wrong decision about some <laughs> totally marginal event that nobody, you know, that's what this sport needs. Was that what everybody was, th was thinking before we had all this? Listen, Ken, once again, you got to hand it to the GA. Quick and wrong. Wrong, sure, but quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's wrong. It's wrong anyway. You know, that's the point. Like, it's wrong. They can't even do offside. You know, it's just nonsense. It's, like, it's total nonsense. The whole thing. Like, it's complete rubbish. Sport, so just get rid of it. Like, rubbish. and then yeah. at least the matches will be shorter. I mean, that's my view. We did find out after the game what had Johnny Sexton so emotional at Ireland's call. He revealed to Claire McNamara that some special guests visited the camp during the week. It was Brian and Craig Doyle and, and the doc, uh, Dave Irwin, uh, came in and spoke to us about the shoulder-to-shoulder uh, -shoulder documentary and uh, it was very, very special. So, um, you know, it was a great day, great uh, occasion. Mm. Craig Doyle and Brian O'Driscoll making Johnny Sexton cry wasn't something I had mm. down in my Six Nations post-match well, interview interview bingo, I have to say. I've never thrown a petrol bomb. I don't know how heavy they are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark, I, just, I, just, I just wanted to play yeah, that for no, you today. Uh, you're absolutely it. right. Of course, 48, the Jackie Kyle Grand Slam, 2009, the O'Gara Slam, 2018, the I don't know, Tyg Furlong slam. And we can add now, 2023, the Craig Doyle slam. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about Doyle. As a player, the match normal service was resumed with Donald Lennon going through the formalities of naming some non-back row players before getting to the point. Donald, Thanks. can I ask you please for your player of the match? Yeah, well, there he is there. Look, Dupont, brilliant for France. James Ryan, outstanding yeah, throw yeah, up yeah, with yeah, the work rate of Caelan Doris <laughs> yeah, in this game. Is. He is my player of the match. Order of sword, an Irish back row forward, man of the match in the Aviva and the Six Nations. What a shift he's put in. You, Cal, knows the score. It's not the first time he's had your back, Murph. It's got to be said. <laughs> I, honestly, I've, it, it shocked me the, the power that I that I have, and it shocked me again this weekend. So Tony I, Summers, I assume we can continue. Lakeep, uh, Tony Summers emailed in with their player ratings, and they gave Doris a nine out of ten. The notoriously mm. parsimonious Lakeep mm. uh, match day. Matchday Raiders. That's yeah. not what you would call them. But you player know Raiders. Player Raiders, yeah. Ryan and Beatham got eight. Don't rate the players. Oh. Low, Keenan and Sexton got seven. By contrast, Dupont Seven's got, like an Irish 10, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Dupont got a six. Antonio, three. Ramos, four. So there you go. You were, anyway, sorry, sorry, you were at the game. 
Yeah. Um, probably the most entertaining uh, Irish rugby game I've ever been at live. Um, oh, yeah. Just the, the first half, you know, before the game, there was a lot of talk of number one and two in the world. And that felt quite nebulous, really, with, you know, South Africa and New Zealand not playing at the moment. And you just don't know. But then at half time, it just was like, no, these are absolutely the best two teams in the world. We're the smartest team in the world. Whatever you, you want to argue about world rankings, and it's just a mathematical formula, but we are, we feel like the best coach, smartest team in the world at the moment. That's a, a lovely feeling. It was a hammering and expected tries. Like we spent nine minutes in their 22. They spent 57 seconds in our 22. Is expected tries a thing? Or did you no, just I coin just, that No, I there? just made that up. Um, <laughs> and we were held up four times, obviously, as well. And Ireland, we've played well a lot of times in recent years, but I think we showed a little bit of everything that a great rugby team mm. can show all in 80 minutes. You know, the skill, athleticism, composure, ambition, defence, tactics, bench impact. And the only part of their game that was a little off was probably patience on the French try line being held up four times. Mm. But even that was probably a bit down to brilliant French defence. If I hear Simon talking to uh, us after a World Cup final or something, saying that at least we won the XT, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll be pretty upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the fact they kept going at it as well. Like it looked as though, you know, mm. we played a little bit of commentary here. Michael Corcoran on RT Radio. This is the the brilliant ring rose try that sealed the bonus point win. And France have driven Ireland back towards the 22, but it's back here now. But the ball has moved out fast out of the pitcher now. Has Gary Rose hands off his man. Super emotional there at the weekend. Great commentary there by Corcoran. We're going to be talking to Jerry and Shane coming right up today. But to hear our coverage of Arsenal against Manchester City, the Super Bowl with US Murph, and loads more, you'll need to be a member of the World Service. Secondcaptains.com, five euro a month plus fat. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Available for Murray. Moves it back there now towards CJ Stander. CJ Stander under pressure, but it's trying to have control of it. 
midway between the French 22 and the uh, 10 meter line. Sexton with the attempted drop of goal, both side the 22. Goes towards the post, it's gone towards the post, it's over! Ireland with the drop and goal, it's gone between the post! Leg drop, the ball is gone! The fellas are just literally on top of each other, away to the left hand side! France have been absolutely destroyed with the final kick of the game! A drop and goal! France have been robbed of victory. 82, 83 minutes gone. At the start of France, the place has gone mad. Ireland have snatched it from the jaws of defeat. Incroyable. Quel match winner. Quel match winner. Jonathan Sexton à la dernière seconde. l'équipe de France. Que c'est dur. C'est terrible. Terrible. Le drop de Jonathan Sexton. Shane Horgan, this is all rattling along at a nice pace, isn't it? This is going too well. It's going too well. <laughs> Don't say that. We're over all that. We're all, it's going as well as it as it needs to go. I think, Jerry, how are you? Good, thank you. Very good. Uh, have you seen many many days like that in the Aviva Stadium? Many performances like that by an Ireland team? I genuinely, I think the only comparable ones would be the wins, the big autumn wins, maybe over the All Blacks. They would be comparable. But in terms of the Six Nations, um, even going there as a kid and then throughout a career as a journalist, I cannot think of a better game. Yeah. I really, and I cannot think of a better Irish win. Because I can't imagine it ever happened that Ireland were number one in the world, hosting the number two side in the world. And it was Yeah, because against the All Blacks, you're going, oh my God, we're doing this against the All Blacks. Mm. Whereas this one was like, we're just playing so well. That was the sort of standout thing. And France were so doughty and so tough and doing their absolute best. And there was the sort of Sean Edwards on their own try line defence. So everything was happening. The French were pulling out brilliance, kind of flickering to life. It was kind of all going in front, along in front of your eyes and you're just trying to take it in. Like the narrative felt like it was changing every few seconds. Yeah, and the first half was just extraordinary. It just seemed like there was more balls on the deck, more bouncing balls, more breaking balls, more. Mm. And the French were having to go from their own, deep in their own half, which they don't normally do yep. on this management. And Galtier, you could see afterwards, was quite annoyed about that. And they resorted more to type in the second half. Oh, so he was, was annoyed that they, that they, they were playing all that yes, kind of rugby. Yes. Because that seemed to be the consensus was that was the when they were at their most dangerous and that's the game we didn't want but you're saying Galte doesn't really want that game they don't do it you yeah. watch France in their 14 match run they never play from their own half Rogers often made this point they kick more than anybody they kicked the most in the Six Nations last year Ireland passed the most yeah. it was a bit of a clash of styles except in the first half it wasn't they really went for it and yeah and in the second half then they resorted more to type Ramos I think ran the ball once he kicked it every time back and Ireland were just well, very pragmatically, six points ahead, right? We're the home side. We'll play territory so and kick it down to you and just gradually turn the screw with the impact off the bench and the carrying and saw the game home convincingly. In actual fact, one of the great things about this team, as well as the way they start games, is just electric, the way is the way they finish. They play really well when they're fatigued, their skill level is excellent. Like for Gary Rose to score that try from that Doris pass, both of them going eighty minutes, it was and it, you'd actually felt that it, had there been another five or ten minutes, Ireland might have scored more. Even though there was a, the odd snatch of brilliance from Dupont and they were throwing it around, it was just a very convincing win at the end, as you were saying off air before the start of it. Shane, have you got a favourite try, favourite moment? Well, the try that wasn't, or the try that was, um, that was, it was such an amazing finish. I really like that. Ring Rose deserves that sort of try. Um, mm. he's, he's been immense as well. Mm. Um, so, listen, what I, I preferred more was, uh, you know, the calm, collected nature of, of the way Ireland played. Um, 
their phase play structure is absolutely amazing. It's, it's uh, and if you contrast it against the other teams uh, in the Six Nations who are uh, France side are trying to do, I think similar stuff. They're just not at the races in terms of their skill level or their overall understanding of what the team is trying to do. So when you, so, so when you play structure, Shane, say phase play structure, what do you mean? So so um, um, outside of the set piece, so we have the set piece is a very structured environment. You've got eight forwards and then you've got the back set up and we have a move and mm. that's it. But it's what happens after that. So during phase play. So, um, you know, where it's where you're not, we're attacking not based on a set piece. Ireland get a really good shape and we've spoken about the shape before. It's that, you know, that um, triangle of forwards outside uh, the nine. So they're a pod of forwards that can take the ball up, drop the ball off to either side or pull the ball back to a man going around the corner. Uh, very often the 10, but not always. And then you've got another wave uh, of, of attack off that that um, player coming around. So you've got two waves of really structured attack and players know exactly where they're meant to be. They know what they're doing. It's almost looking at it like it's a, you know, we see the analogy of a, a chessboard, but very much a whiteboard of this is where you need to be. This is the lines you've got to run. And this is when you have to deliver the ball. So everybody knows what they're doing. And there was actually one moment in the second half that I it just personified what Ireland were doing, but it was kind of almost laughable as to where Ireland are, are going. It was um a it was a breakdown on the left hand side and um there was the pod going from left to right and it was Tyke Byrne um took the ball up and he threw a no look pass and it actually went on the deck and it went on the deck because uh, Lowe, who was meant to take the ball and be able to distribute it uh, slipped just at the moment uh, that he was you know he was meant to take the ball so he was on the deck mm. but what i thought about it was like we're in our own 22 against france and you've got um, Tyg Byrne, a second row for Ireland, throwing a non, no-look pass um, to to a winger and being confident enough to throw that no-look pass. All right, your man was on the deck, but you know that's a unique circumstance, just a bad bit of luck. But that's how confident they are in what they're doing. And I, I don't know, there's definitely never been a set of Ireland forwards that are as comfortable and are as well, you know, uh, versed in what they're doing. And that, I think, you know, that really showed that you know they are so comfortable on the ball so comfortable on the ball and um yeah i thought it was outstanding jerry can i list off a few things that stood out to me during the game as moments that would have stayed for a whole season never mind in one game there's obviously uh, the keenan try and the sort of build up and the brains behind that the low dive uh, the sexton pass to Doris when he was on the run uh, the Pinot try the dupont tackle on hansen uh, the flamant offload i think it was to dupont uh, Dars' offload to Lowe which nearly got lost that was on the far side of the pitch to us uh, Dars' pass to Ringrose obviously is there any one of those that stood out to you as oh my god I can't believe I just saw that or what, what was your favourite moment whoa that's a good question I mean, you could also add in the Jalanche um, offload to Penno for Penno's try that was yep. extraordinary um, even French journalists surprised but they didn't know he had that in his locker I probably would go for the, yeah, the Keenan try is beautiful in execution, but given the magnificence of the Penno try and how it rocked the Irish team, or crowd certainly for a little bit, and as Ramos has taken the conversion, the Marseillaise was like a, 
It was like being in Paris sometimes during that game. We'll talk about that later, maybe. But like the French fans were extraordinary. Forty charger loads of them clearly bought more than their five and a half thousand allocation. And they way were more in, French than ever before, right? Yeah. I thought so, definitely. It's partly because they love coming to Dublin and partly because they, they're in love with this French rugby team again. And no, but there are people giving out about this now a little bit, are there? That they're getting, the French got too many tickets and there were too many in the ground. But that, that made the atmosphere, didn't it? Yeah, it did, really. It did make the atmosphere. You'd, I think Irish fans need to sing, sing a bit more as well to match them and make it more like a home game than it was at times. Like when they were booing for decisions, it really was like being in Paris yeah. again. But anyway, I think my favourite one is probably the low try because... Like I said, that was about the only moment of them. I was very confident Ireland would win that game. I spoke to you getting the lift up the press room before yeah, and I thought were, yeah. I said Ireland would win by a couple of scores, 10 or 15 points because mm. I thought Ireland were just due a win in this fixture and were due a big performance. And I thought this French, French team, based on their autumn form and their opening round against um, Italy, allowing for the fact they were building towards the Irish game, there were cracks there. They were starting to show cracks. And I remember thinking, oh dear, that's a brilliant try. Maybe maybe France have come to play. This is going to be the ball. The ball is kind of bouncing for them a bit today. And mm. that there was a few deflections. Yeah, their way. it just seemed yeah, to be going their way. And I thought, oh shoot, maybe I've got this completely wrong. Maybe they're going to win. And then as soon as Johnny Sexton took the kick off, I said to myself, no, nah, it's okay. If we know anything about this Irish team, they're next moment focused. Nothing rattles them. But I didn't expect them to score within forty three seconds. Like if you look at it, Hansen's charge down. Rob Herring actually does brilliant to win the Malden McCluskey. Then they go through a few phases. Gary Reno's brilliant pass. The try that was, there wasn't. Well, it was. And from that moment on, and then they go and turn the screw. We all know Antonio should have got sent off. Um, in you have very conflicting views about this because then it would have devalued Ireland's win. But you'd hope he get a ban now and Barnes get a little bit reprimanded for that if World Rugby want to take this campaign seriously. But yeah, from the moment that Lowe scored and certainly then when the next try followed up from us at Porter, um, I just felt, yeah, Ireland are going to win this. That was probably the moment. Well, so just, I, there's, a, there's a couple of interesting things. One of them is, we keep calling it this try that was or wasn't. I mean, it's a try that shouldn't have been. He had his foot in touch quite clearly, I thought, on at least one, if not two, replays. And if I was French, I'd be pretty pissed off with that one. Is that not pretty cut and dried? Yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. But, um, yeah, and, and Galtier was annoyed about it afterwards. But uh, I don't think you can say that Ireland didn't deserve to win or anything like that. You know, I think in Paris last year, I think France got the rub of the green from Angus Gardner as well. You know, if you think back to a year ago, the penalty count went quite high against Ireland. Um, yeah, probably. I, I didn't notice that. I must admit that first viewing, I didn't notice that his foot had brushed. It was only afterwards when people I saw it on social media and I saw it again watching the replay. That went, oh yeah, okay, that was a lucky one. Yeah, I think um, those sort of decisions need to be removed from the game. You know, I don't like too much involvement of the um you know, the TMO but and I think we we go back too far um very often but in the process of scoring that's you know that's something that shouldn't have it shouldn't have been a try it was clear I you know my first instinct was that it wasn't a try and then we didn't get great angles and it wasn't almost until I think that we saw that behind angle that was conclusive that wasn't shown to the TMO mm-hmm. so like, if we're going to be serious about it, that needs to change. It doesn't devalue what Ireland did. Ireland were the better team. But let's let's just take that out of the equation. How, what do you mean, also, how do you mean take it out of the equation? How do you change well, the situation? Well, because because it's, it's, a, it's an error that shouldn't be made. Do you know, there's no reason that we had the evidence. It was there. Uh, we had time to review it. There was actually quite a lot of time spent on it. It was, I think, it was you know fairly conclusive. The TMO supposedly okay. had had access to all those angles as well. Yes. Whether or not they so actually they saw so the, the conclusive angle or not is is unclear. But they had access to all those angles. And that's and that's my point. Um, and don't get me wrong. I think that if there is you know if there is doubt, give it to the attacker. 
I want that to happen. But yeah. um, you know, if it is conclusive, and I actually think it was conclusive, you know, that decision should be made. Otherwise, just let's let's get rid of the TMO altogether. Mm. And then the Antonio uh, one again, very very surprising. Because I I rate uh, Wayne Barnes really highly. I really felt that he had his decision made, you know, almost prior to um, you know running through that again, and he was looking for the mitigation. I, I I was incredibly surprised at that. I don't think again it doesn't devalue him as a referee, but I'm wondering about the his process of going through and and if you know there was a if there's been a slight change in that because it felt as if there was a change in it again. It's funny Jerry says there. I was kind of going. I was watching it with my family, and I said. You know, I in sort of intellectually or for the the match, I don't want this guy to, to get sent off, but he definitely should be. And you just have to deal with the consequences of a change in the match. Yeah, just an um, e- I'm afraid just, that's the way it just is. Just an email on that, Jerry. I know you want to come in, but it's interesting. Emily Cullen emailed into us here and says, "I have to declare, I love the rugby the weekend, but I have a major bugbear when people in rugby commit a sending off offence. The most upsetting thing for a, a lot of people seems to be dealing with the fact that it becomes fourteen versus fifteen for the re- rest of the match." I'm so sick of hearing people say a game is over due to a sending off, which was alarmingly illuminated when Antonio's obvious red card was met with all my friends saying, thank God he wasn't sent off because we want to see a proper match. Uh, So are you in danger of just veering into that? that That's what I'm saying. It's conflicting. I said that at the start. Like It's very conflicting. You want 15 aside. You want it to be a proper win. You don't want it being devalued because it would have been if Antonio had been sent off. Everybody's, oh, well, Ireland just beat 14-man France for whatever would have been 70 minutes. The other thing about it is, but, but, but it shouldn't be conflicting for the sport and for the oh no, the absolutely and for, the he- no, for, the he- for the health of these the no, people no, out there. No, no, I wrote, I wrote, I made that, that, I card, absolutely yeah. made that point. That is a red card. That's the bigger picture. Like if they're going to be serious about stamping out high hits on on players and making the game safer, that had to be a red card. That's why I hope there's a retrospective action taken on this one. But yeah. the other thing, I would and you can hold those two opinions as exactly. well, Owen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can hold those two opinions, recognizing that. Um, which you know, is the more important card? It should be dealt with, and that's the bigger picture. And we all know that you know he should. But, have but gone. that should take precedence, though, right? I mean, it does take precedence. It does take precedence. But you still have a thing in your, you still have a thing in the back of your head going, Ah, Jesus! I wish he didn't do that, so we yes. can have a, yeah, exactly. you know, a fifteen yeah. against fifty. It's not like it shouldn't. We we shouldn't. We should keep him on because we want to have fifteen against fifteen. I don't think anybody's saying that, but it is natural to go. I wish he didn't bloody do that, so we have fifteen against exactly. 15. And the other thing about it as well, Shane, looking at it again last night in video. And it didn't strike me so much at the time, although I was just, I had bought, there was no ref links in the press room, so I went out and bought one for tenor. And so the, in case there was a moment like that, and I, it was, I tried to listen as best I could, given the volume of noise at the time. And again, like Shane, I got the impression that Wayne Barnes was looking for mitigation from the outset. He just, his good instinct was, I don't want to send this player off. And then he rationalised it accordingly. But watching it again on video, the thought occurred to me, Matthew Carlin looks as if he just completely disagrees. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's, hard, as well. he's hardly going to say it. Like, there's almost no point in bringing the he's touch. Shaming judges the ref. He's shaming the referee. Like I said, imagine yeah. if he says to Wayne Barnes, and I've never heard a touch judge say it, actually, no, Wayne, I think he got that one. I think, Ron, I think you should look at that again. That's a red card. The TMO is normally in that position. Exactly. Where he, that, the TMO yeah. can, can have, can, yeah. because he's got all the angles and he can sort of maybe push the referee, but it might be tough. But it's almost, it's, almost for, it's almost for show now, this referee disgusted with right. his two touch judges. I, I, I actually yeah. thought, uh, refereeing is tough. I thought that was an easy decision. Yeah. I don't see yeah. how they get that wrong. But it was going on about, about there, was all, uh, there was contact to the chest and, and, and the arm. 
and, and then whiplash and all this. So therefore, there's the, it's not. I don't start with a high degree of danger. I he mean, doesn't lower his tackle height. He's a fifty thousand people in the stadium. We're going. That's dangerous. That looks yeah. horrible. Well, Rob yeah. Herring will tell you how dangerous it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a thing. Not a high degree of danger. And Rob Herring goes yeah. off for an HIA and doesn't come back on. Yeah. And the whiplash yeah. is the dangerous bit as exactly. well. Exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. Just and and I don't want you know we don't want to get tied up with this um, too much as well because um, you know there was so it was there was such so many moments of a great game, but um, interesting that same player that committed Antonio, um, he was at you know we go back to that Keenan try, I think it was really um, instructive or or it was really clear on the difference between there's only a minor thing the difference between Ireland and uh, and France. And Sean Edwards won't be happy with this. He took an age to get up after making the tap- tackle. And I know the pillar left um, the, beside the rock and left that hole there. But if Antonio was up faster, which he should have been, which all the Irish players were, he would have naturally slotted either into that or he would have filled a space on that short side. And that's what Ireland exploited. That's a moment of a player not working as hard as he possibly can to get up after making a tackle and get into the defensive line. And that was the difference between um, Ireland and France. Ireland's work rate was insane. And you've got a guy, yeah. you know, if you want to talk to the, you know, the key person there, Doris, Doris yeah. is, is a joke. Like, he's a joke. And he's not just, and he's not the only one. He's like a porter. Beelham is having, you know, such a good game. Herring working really hard. They all work very hard. But Doris is, I think... You know, um, just a step above everyone. But if you look at the Ireland rooks, um, they do an incredible thing where they commit two very often to the tackle, and then for a lot of rooks, and they don't have anyone in at all, and that's the difference. So they have fifteen guys on their feet, which means they can cover the backfield. They they're numbers close to the rook, and they don't. They have um, you know, they have enough um numbers to push out if they need to if the, if the ball goes wide. So. That for me, you know, personified the difference between Ireland and France uh, in defence, and was the difference between the game. And then just one other thing on the way, I, I thought uh, um, the structure of Ireland's attack versus the non-structured way that France attacked. I was disappointed in the way France played through phases. It was it was quite basic. They're looking like a kind of a more countery attack team, and that's actually how they scored their try. So they're waiting for the opposition to get loose and have broken play, and then they're brilliant under those circumstances. But Ireland were so low on um, mistakes that they didn't give them much opportunity, and then they weren't capable of creating themselves. Yeah, I remember low before the game, Jerry saying we think we're fitter. Yep. And it was around the hour mark that Ringrose took a quick line out and there wasn't many in the game. And it kind of struck me at that stage. I, I just watched Keenan like cover like 400 metres in about the previous two minutes and thinking, somebody's surely getting tired here now. This is about the point in the game where both teams are really feeling it. But Ringrose, obviously, it was under instruction or he both felt it in himself and his teammates that Ireland could keep the tempo even higher than it had been. And from that point on, I thought Ireland where they not just look fitter, but like physically more powerful, which isn't actually the case. I, I would say the French are actually physically more powerful, but it's sort of our fitness and our technique and maybe our determination towards the end. The likes of Doris just running over people. And they talked about that. Sure, didn't Lowe talk about that, that last that's week? That's what I'm there, saying. Yeah, yeah, Lowe yeah, said it before yeah, yeah. the game, yeah. But obviously, Ireland kind of gambled on that and it really paid off. Like, we really looked a lot fitter, certainly in the final 10 minutes, but from sort of 60 point minutes onwards, I thought that Ringrose quick line typified their attitude.
Yep, and um, if you look at it, in the first half, I think there was only four lineouts. I think in the whole course of the match, there was only five scrums, which five means, scrums, yeah. what are you picking Antonio and Willem so for? Mm-hmm. Um, and Antonio was taken off around about the 15-minute mark, having spent 10 minutes in the bin. Yeah. So clearly Edwards and Galtier weren't too happy with them. I think he's on borrowed time, but that's a problem position for them, tight head. Ireland don't want those scrums, by the way, so yeah. that's partly our brilliant play, that yeah. there's so few yeah. scrums. We yeah. don't knock it on, we don't give away. And position. ball and play time was over 46 minutes. Yeah which was extraordinary. Six minutes more than any other match this season, the Six Nations. It was 10 minutes more ball and play time than in Paris last year. A big juggernaut pack like South Africa and um, France want lots of stoppages. Mm. They want to slow the game down. Ireland are a ball in play team as much as any team. They're the, they're the team that passed the most. And you have to say as well, this partly comes down to the way they're managed at provincial level. Like if you went through all 15 head-to-heads it's extraordinary how many minutes some of the French players have already played this season. And Antoine Dupont has now started 16 games this season and has gone 80 minutes in 40 of them, in 14 of them. And the only reason he didn't go 18 in one of them was because he got a red card against South Africa. Toulouse never take him off. France did never take him off. And it's the same you go through all the team. They have a lot more minutes under the belt, a lot more games under the belt. Our players are better managed. They had a very a better run into it. And they, like I said earlier, their capacity to start matches brilliantly is one thing, but also their execution when fatigued, the last 10 minutes, skill level. They In both games now, they've come back and scored a bonus point try in, in the last 10 minutes of the game through multiple phase attacks. That Gary Wingrose try was a 19-phase attack. Yeah. France were exhausted. Mm. And the same with, remember when Van de Fleer scored against yeah, Wales? Wales, Wales just, were just gave up. Just gave up. We can't take any more. Like <laughs> yeah. a boxer against the ropes. Yeah. Um, it's an, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a real feature of this mm. team. And he was right, dead right, James Lowe. And it was one of the main reasons I thought Ireland were going to win because, as Shane was talking about, they have a much more cohesive attack. France don't really have a very cohesive multi-phase no. attack. They rely very much they on Dupont their defense. Dupont and Pinot and, and, and offloads. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there are two winners on Dupont accounted for 26 of Ireland's 33 yeah. missed tackles. We couldn't tackle their winners. Penno's oh, just the best right wing in the world and, yeah. and has been for years. Apparently, you know, he likes a smoke and a drink. They always, <laughs> The word in France is, if God, if we could ever get him fit, he'd be some player. Oh my God. <laughs> I like him even more. Yeah, yeah. I know, so do I. <laughs> Old school, French. like his dad. Yeah, Alan, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I've forgotten the point I was making there. Yeah, yeah no, but, just know. the, yeah. But Shane, for all that we dominated, it was a six-point lead going in, I think it was about eight, seven minutes left. Bundiaki gets tackled behind the gain line. Uh, France are sort of piling through, looking like it could be one of those turnovers where they get the ball clean or certainly get a penalty. We managed to hold on and it's very soon after that Doris gives that pass to Ringrose. So for all that we dominated, obviously we were concerned right up to that point that Ireland would win the game. Or not. Was, there, was there any negative there for you that Ireland didn't put them away earlier? No, but we're playing... We're playing the second best team in the world, yep. you know, yeah. and who would have counted themselves as the best team probably in the world. So um, us being held up on their line four times, you think that's more brilliant Sean Edwards defence or well, is there Ireland error? It's, it's just, you know, we, I think we we spoke about this on, on the podcast maybe last week or the week before. Even if you're, and Ireland played very, very well in a lot of, you know, standout performances, but, you know, you you don't ever sort of execute the perfect game and then, you don't get to dominate a team, you know, a top team from from minute one to you know to, to minute eighty. It just doesn't happen. Um, you know, there's always another side to the leisure, and you know, France are are screaming out for victory, and they have you know their own motivations and 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 drivers and um and and you know a will to win. So I, I think you don't you know even the best performance don't expect a steamroll. Expect you know some errors because that's kind of normal. Um, 
but I think managing through those um, um, you know non completions, as it were, you know the little you know the very the times that they were they were held up or, or it didn't quite go the way, or we saw the France try. It's managing through those, remaining calm, remaining ambitious. Um, which is what Ireland did right the way through, which was maybe the most impressive thing. Their sort of ambition to play the way they're playing. It's you know it's a it's a very ambitious style. They're very comfortable in doing it. As as we've spoken before, they seem so aware of being able to deliver the game plan. They're like every single one of them. You've also got a you know quite two significant changes in the front row who maybe mo- that might be the most boring thing of of the last couple of games. Those two guys were you know really impressive. Bealham has, has was great the last two games, um, and not just uh, come in and you know get the set piece right and do the basics. You can't do that, as Jerry said. There's not that many set pieces, you know, so you have to be delivering more. The expectation is higher on them, and they they stood up. And you know we're talking about why you know, why Ireland you know were good and that um, that um, multi phase attack. Just and I'd be interested in Jerry, uh, Jerry's opinion on this. I thought the footwork of the oh, Irish forwards outstanding. is outstanding. It's on a different level, different so, level. And I saw that that struck me in Cardiff as well. I was surprised not more of it was made. Like Doris, we know has got great footwork. Sheen has great footwork. He wasn't there. Um, Harry had a decent game. Keller comes on footwork. Even Bealham has footwork. There was a m- yeah. moment in the first match against Wales where he got a one-off ball inside the twenty-two from a restart. And he stepped his opponent and got over the yeah. cane line. Like it's, and it runs through the team. I think the Irish Tom footwork, O'Toole. Tom O'Toole. Oh, Whoa. He did all right, didn't yeah, he? <laughs> I mean, eight like, carries in, nine, in 19 minutes. Explosive carries too. Dynamic. Um, yeah, it's the footwork. And when you've got footwork, you can, you can win the collisions against bigger yeah. men. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Isn't you know, it? We said yeah. there, is, there is a size differential and there will be a size differential in the World Cup. And we're always thinking about that. Um, Keenan's got footwork. Ringwood's got footwork. They all have. You know, when they're in that multi-phase pod system, you have the options of dropping the ball off either side, which is one way of negating a really rush up speed, very physical uh, defense. It stops you getting hit behind the gain line. But the other part is having footwork as well. And you can see that every forward is thinking it's not about catching a ball and running into a guy because that is not a good, you know, very often if the ball is a little bit slow, that is not a good outcome or it's not going to be a good outcome for you if you try to do that, especially against a team like France. So you can see in their mind's eye, they're thinking footwork, footwork, footwork. Combine that with the multi-option attack, which is, you know, puts a screw into the defender's head. And they are, even when they're flying up and you see, you saw a lot of players flying by Irish um, um, Irish mm. attack because they're they're making a read, but it's the other option that's being taken, and then the footwork. You know, it's it's brilliant to see, and um, the movement away from big forwards getting slow ball and running into the opposition is so welcomed. Uh, the other thing as well, you go back to your original point. I take your point that Ireland maybe the pick and jam tactics though it yielded one try in normal. Games might have yielded more. That could easily have been 46-19. There could have been another couple of converted tries on it. I'm glad there wasn't in one sense because it would have been too much of a wake-up call for France. (laughs) And secondly, it's great that Ireland could have a bonus point win against the second best team in the world and come away thinking we could have actually been more clinical. You know, that's a great place to Mm. be. 
So mm. yes, there were imperfections. They weren't as clinical as Andy Farrell said afterwards. But hey, that's not a, that's actually a great place to be than not creating the chances. Yeah. And like I said, that's enough of a wake up call for France. It'll be interesting how they they're going to be a fascinating case study now, mm. not least at home to this Scotland. This worries me slightly because they are now going to learn a lot of lessons from that. And this is what you get when you lose a game. Not saying I wanted Ireland to lose, but they're but every, everyone lo- learns lessons from these. You know, yes. I think you learn more from I'm, your I'm defeats. Not concerned about, I'm not say. concerned about that because. <clears throat> Ireland um, are one, you know, people can see what they're doing. This is not, it's not like it's a special formula and these are secret moves, which was very often the case of um, in the olden days. And um, I'm thinking olden days, I'm talking about my days where it was very (laughs) set piece orientated and you would have a move, right? And you have the move and also this move will break down the opposition. And they've never seen this before. And that's how we score a try. That's not the case. It's, you know, it's almost open source coaching. It's like, here it is. Here's the structure. But we've got three or four options here. We've got three or four options here. And good luck trying to defend them all. What we'll do is we'll pick, we'll, you know, we'll put the footwork on. We'll get our shape right. We'll pick the option uh, um, based on how, um, you know, where the space is and what you do defensively. So, you know, it's not like, um, they don't know what they're coming up against. It's the fact that Ireland are you know, delivering and executing that um, that tactic so well and picking very often picking the right options and then couple that with this massive fitness that I think we did see um, into the second half where ultimately you sort of just, if the ball doesn't go down, the opposition run out in numbers. Um, that's why I'm, I'm relatively comfortable that Ireland aren't going to be found out as that this is the way they play. Yeah. We know the way Ireland play. It's it's the it's the uh, taking the right option that makes it very difficult to defend against. Well, listen, that's France dealt with. One player we haven't mentioned so far, I don't think, although both of you have talked about how impressive Ireland were in the closing stages. And Ross Byrne, Jerry, was centrally involved in a lot of that because he was on very early on. So again, these are the kind of things that we're looking for. And... All of a sudden, this whole sextant backup, what happens if and when he gets injured in the World Cup, is feeling a little, not not less consequential, but like a problem that the solution is so obvious for now that Ross Byrne is stepping in. Yeah, I mean, like his clutch kick against Australia was one thing. His 10 minutes and guiding the ship home to that bonus point try in Cardiff was another. And then a half hour against the number two side in the world in a crunch game, with, which was one score for a long stretch of that period he was on the pitch. He controlled things very well. He just makes a team click. He's an enabler. He's not flashy. Um, he's not a great threat to the line or anything like that. He doesn't have amazing footwork, but he's a very good distributor. And he, and I have to say Casey as well, with one beautiful kick, myself and Shane were talking about it off air. Like Some people are probably giving out about Ireland kicking the ball so much in the second half, but if you're six points up ahead at home mm. and you've got the well, French... The, the crowd, some of the biggest cheers were the... Keenan, 50-22. That was extraordinary. Yeah. Actually, Ireland's kicking the game. Casey kicked to the corner yeah. Yeah. and Ross Byrne kicked to the corner. And also you think of James... James for the tries. Yeah, and James Lowe's kicked through when they worked him into space. Both games now, his kicks of varied kicking games have led to tries. So Ireland's I kicking the game stadium was wanted those kicks. Radio, okay. They were really... Maybe just maybe I had, stress, stress maybe, reliever. Maybe it was just because I had one particularly grumpy fella beside me. <laughs> <laughs> was was he giving out about it? Was he going up and down to the bar, Jerry? No, there was very little of that. Did right. you notice? I was yeah. had a, in the odd moment in the second half. I'd had a look around. And you could see the crowd was very much engaged mm, yeah. and watching it. They were, How could they, they weren't engaged be? by that one? Well, they never. All, you might as well give it all up. in trouble. But yeah, yeah Ross Byrne is. It's been an, an amazingly good period in his career. Probably the best internationally for sure. He's got a lot of experience now. He's got over 150 mm. games for Leinster and Ireland. Yeah. He's 27. Um, yeah. I think yeah. that he doesn't have. 
Joey Carberry's footwork or pace or ability to play fullback as well, which is a weapon. But he's clearly a better boss on the pitch and talks more yeah. and instructs more. And if you're going to fill the Sexton void, that's very important. But I still think Johnny Sexton is the most important player in this team. Oh, he's ridiculous. And, and let, let's, let's be honest, at 27, that's when you're at the peak of your powers. Yeah. You know, you should be delivering at that. You should, yeah. you're, you're, you're at your probably your maximum and not far off. Um, he has the experience. I thought um, this was his best performance for Ireland. Um, the kick against um, Australia was a great kick, but it was a kick. You know, that was mm-hmm. it. Uh, it showed a character, it showed bottle, but, it, you know, it wasn't a full performance. He did well last week against Wales, but they were down. Uh, I thought he did very well against Wales, but qualified up by nearly that whole period. They were a number down. This was a different proposition, Jerry, as, as you mentioned. It's against the number two side of the world um, with the pressure of, of a half an hour and in a relatively tight game as well. I thought, And I thought he dealt with it sort of admirably. Um, his kicking game was great. Ireland's kicking game, as you said, in the whole period was was exceptional. Kicking the ball off the park is sometimes frowned upon, but you do it deep in the opposition 22, even if it wasn't an exceptional 50-22 like we saw with Keenan, but just giving them the ball and going, listen, get out of this period, get out of, of this, see if, if you can do it. Um, that can be very, very difficult. It's a big stress reliever from Ireland. It's a big transfer of stress onto on the, the opposition and um, it's a great description. Ireland, That's exactly what Ireland dealt like. with it very well. Yeah, sure. um, go on, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, and then just on um, um, the but the difference, I think, and this is still listen. There's there's a number of differences between him and Sexton. I think Sexton's better upfield. He's probably, you know, he, he's more of attacking threat. But you know, during that first half, I was I was again I was watching it with family, and I said. My God, Sexton is so good in defence. You know, mm. I think we under, we underestimate that. Mm-hmm. It's he's so brave, he's big, um, and he's fair, he makes a, a lot of tackles. You know, they run at him a lot. He, I know, he tackles upright, but the way Ireland defend now is very much two people into every into the tackle. He's they're looking for two people to impact the tackle and then both out, and he does it really well. He's also fighting to strip the ball. Um, but it's really his bravery that, that he's, you know, he's exceptional with. And I, that is a, a difference between him um, and Byrne. But, like, that's a really That's right. Do you remember the time Flamon got through Byrne's tackle and got the offload away to Dupont? I'm not sure he gets that offload away against Johnny. Johnny Sexton in the, in the first game in Cardiff, a couple of times the Welsh centres had reward by sending their centres down his channel. And Johnson Davison, they should have done that more often. I think clearly, as he alluded to afterwards, Johnny Sexton was a little bit worried about the cheekbone operation he'd had going into that game. It was his first game since the cheekbone operation. And he actually joked in the second half, he started to go back to his normal tackle technique of just going a bit higher. And uh, since yeah, since half time in Cardiff, great, he's been excellent. And then you think of that breakout on the left wing, mm-hmm. like that 40 metre gallop. Yeah. Not bad for an old fella. And the pass inside to you know who else pass be there. Was God, outstanding. One of the best passes I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and then, of course, who else but Doris there? Yeah. <laughs> There's only one team besides ourselves now, who still have a Grand Slam in their sights, Shane. You might have gotten off the Scots at the uh, precisely the wrong time. <laughs> they, <laughs> they put two wins well, back-to-back now, and they were good, and Finn Russell was magical, and, you know, they're, 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 yeah. look, they're looking good. Finn Russell was was a joy to watch, you know. He is he is deadly, isn't he? You know, he does, he just plays the game uh, very, very naturally. He's so relaxed, you know. I love the way he kicks. He just drops the ball onto his foot. He did it from that, I think, that second half, um, that uh, right-to-left pe- play. He's a very elegant player, you know. He's, he, he does feel like a Rolls-Royce. Then the, um, yeah, the, um, 
ball out the back for the try as well it's complete trademark um him but like you know he's always looking to get that ball away yeah i, I really enjoy watching him play um you know i thought the it's a fast back line that for, the scotland have now they have you know powerful and fast runners so so they are a threat um i I kind of t- I tip well I tipped Wales before the game because I just don't trust the Scottish team despite you know all the evidence that suggests that they they definitely should have won the game and they should have won it and by the way they won it very very easily um it's an important milestone for them we talked about winning one off games against uh, England and and the impact that has and and actually the way they finished out the game against England I think was uh, instructive as well and how they they have moved on to win that home game against Wales will definitely have um, sort of changed how they view themselves or how others view them. But um, I don't fancy, I don't fancy, and I can't imagine they fancy going to France next time up. Yeah, the other thing about the Scots as well is that I think Gregor Townsend has really struck gold, Shane, um, with his midfield in Tupolutu and Hugh Davis. They've all been looking for a balance there and they're perfect foils for Russell. Not that he ever needs a get-out-of-jail ball, but Tupolutu can be that reference point physically. But he's also got a skill set. When you think of that grubber through of the Hugh Davis try Twickenham, when you think of some of the passes he made at the weekend. So they've got a lovely balance there. Hugh Davis is a a fabulous player. And it's like they've now... It's funny when you think that Gregor Townsend dropped Finn Russell at the start of the autumn. And now he seems to come and flip the other way entirely. It's now Finn Russell's team almost. I always thought Gregor Townsend played more like Finn Russell than any other Scottish player around at the moment. I could never quite understand why they had such a fractious mm. relationship because they've always seemed to me like they should be kindred rugby spirits. Mm. Anyway, now Russell is very much pulling the strings. And I think the standout feature for me over the first two rounds, and they've been brilliant rounds, yeah. is that Ireland play very fearless rugby. They're very humble. They respect the opposition. They know, they try, they know what they're going to try and do and then they go out and try and execute. But they do it fearlessly. And I think Johnny Sexton, Sexton is the embodiment of that. He's the ultimate go-to-the-corner man. Do you remember his stream of consciousness after not doing it against La Rochelle? Well, not even asked about it. His natural inclination is always to roll the dice, go for the corner. Obviously, that, that, that's Finn Russell's way as well. They were leading 20 points to seven at one stage. They had a penalty to go three scores clear. And went, no, we're going to the corner. And they just turned the screw and got their tries. I think he had three direct try assists with complete different, very right to left pass skip, left to right offload while hitting the deck and one of the, and a lovely cross kick that was more like a cross, a kick pass. Mm. And another one even led to another try. So I think they're playing fearless rugby as well. Yeah. And I think... But they're slightly, yeah, they're slightly also, more loose though. Yeah, think, they're all, that's yes, the difference. Yeah, I know. I agree, oh no, I agree with you totally. And I also think Italy are playing with a newfound yeah. fearlessness. Capuozzo is a joy to watch. I think... Um, England have, have regressed in the sense of their ambition by leaving Marcus Smith off, by putting Owen Far- although it probably maybe suits them, and that's the way they should go. And um, Wales just look bereft at the moment, unfortunately for them, mm. you know. Um, and France don't actually play fearless rugby by French standards. So I think yeah. this might be a little bit of a benchmark Six Nations. They've been two wonderful weekends. The weather's been good. There have been no red cards, for better or for worse. But I think fearless, fearless rugby yeah. is, is ruling at the moment, which and is great. Sh- Shane, the thing I'd add to that, and Jerry mentioned earlier, the ball and play time, that Ireland-France game was over 46 minutes. And Murray Kinsler was tweeting that the average in the 2021 Six Nations was 38 minutes. So that's like an eight-minute difference. And I think that's a massive factor in size like Ireland and Scotland suddenly looking... Well, it, it goes along with their game plan. It goes along with our body shapes. It goes along with our fitness and that those two are looking so good at the moment. Yeah, and I think 
what teams have have decided is that you know if we if they play a kind of a let's say just a more traditional attritional game the same teams are going to keep on winning all the time you know that that's going to happen we and we've seen that so there has been a and Jerry's used the term ambition and i think that's there's an ambition with the coaches now of you know teams like Scotland and Ireland and Italy to go well if we're going to you know we're definitely going to lose this way but Perhaps if we do something different, you know, there's there's more opportunity for us to win against against the big boys. And you know, I count Ireland in that as well because, you know, Ireland could you know could go hard against you know um, South Africa, you know, England, say traditionally France, playing a certain way, and and they would come up, you know, uh, you know, maybe fifty percent of the time they'd, they'd win the game. But I think the way that they're playing at the moment with this ambition. And very very high skill level allows them to be in the positions they are, which is number one in the world. I don't think there's much doubt that they're the number one team in the world at the moment. Um, and if you look at the way they're playing, and 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 I it was immediately very there's a big contrast. We went straight into the the Scotland Wales game, and again I said it earlier on, you could see what they were trying to do, and you could see that particularly Scotland have have an ambition that maybe matches Ireland. But their execution and skill set uh, level wasn't there, and they're just a bit more, more loose. Like Ireland know the game plan better. Um, they're not um, inhibited to to make the pass, but they're better at making the pass. And Scotland, you still see balls in behind, balls on the deck. You know, uh, players not being in a, exactly the right position to clean out the rook so the ball could be turned over. So Ireland. Are you know they're sharing some of the traits with these opposition teams, but just I think are a couple of stages on. So, Jerry, what of the which of the final three games would you fear most for Ireland? I suppose you have to look at it and say Scotland away looks particularly tricky now. Um, England going to get better. The England are very much. They, as we were talking there, I was going to say that we have to allow Wales and particularly England some slack in that they've got new coaching tickets. Mm. Gregor Townsend, this is sixth Six Nations. Mm. This is Andy Farrell's fourth. You know, Scotland and Ireland should be ahead of England and Wales in many respects. Scotland should be beating England. Yeah, Declan Kidney won a slam in his first year. Joe yeah. Schmidt won a championship in his first year. Yeah, and Eddie Jones won a slam in his first year and yeah. Warren Gatlin won a slam in and, his and first you, year. you yeah, often okay. hear players right, say, there goes I, that know, I knew straight away this coach was good <laughs> yeah, yeah. or was going to make an impact. Yeah, Gatlin won a Grand Slam in his first year. I think Eddie Jones won a Grand Slam or a Six Nations first. Thank you for very much for completely debunking that theory. Um, <laughs> but, I do, I, but I still think they're going to get better. Well, particularly defensively. Yeah. You know, I mean, Sinfield is going to make that. I think, put it this way, week one was a good time to get Wales or England. And certainly England, you would imagine, would be much tougher in week five as well. And Italy, it's great to see they're now really competitive. They should have beaten France in, in the opening game in Rome. And they have to assume the one game at a time as... Johnny Sexton said afterwards, if they, if they slip up in Rome, that completely devalues what they achieved last Saturday. So they are in a great position now to go on and do something very special, regardless of the World Cup. Just think in terms of Six Nations, a first title since 2018. Ireland have only ever won three Grand Slams in history, Simon. And mm. never once have I they seen... I don't get this, a slam might damage our World oh, Cup. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's utter rubbish. And also, it's a... It's a great tournament in its own right. Yeah, oh Go yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. we'll worry about the World Cup down the road. Listen, brilliant stuff. Shane, Jerry, excellent. Thanks a mil. Cheers. Thanks a mil, lads.
da domani Capuzzo prova ad andarsene Capuzzo 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 So Jerry was happy with the atmosphere on Saturday, which is all that matters, as were you, Simon. Mm -hmm. But Timmy Fisher emails, hey guys, Ireland's rugby atmosphere problem is that right after a try, which brings a massive amount of noise, everyone goes quiet for a minute and calms down. The silence then carries on for another minute while the game restarts and the atmosphere dies. I don't know of any other team sport that does this. Gaelic footballers kick in similar situations. Hurlers, NFL kickers, free throws in basketball all handle the noise. Do people really believe Johnny Sexton would be distracted by people making noise? When a try is scored, it should lead to cheering, chanting and noise that lasts for several minutes. Instead, it goes quiet while a third of the stadium goes out for a drink. From an ex Clondalkin man, who was always paid for his chicken roll. That's Timmy. Uh, there was a revelation on the World Service last week that there's a shop in Glendalkin that uses those suction uh, vacuum, vacuum tube. tubes to yeah. send the chicken fillet rolls directly to the till because one or two rolls were going missing when handed directly to customers at the deli. But listen, that's still... Murph hasn't had a chance to get to Glendalkin yet to confirm that this is I, the case. I had a busy weekend. What were you going to say about the better email here? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, what actually happens the second uh, Ireland score try is that they start blasting music out, uh, actually, which might, which to me is a much bigger killer of an atmosphere than, like, I don't know why they do that. You know, mm. like, Gary Ringworth goes over for a try in the 72nd minute of a unbelievably brilliant test match against France, and we decide we have to, like, sing along to Bono instead of literally just yeah. having a... Listen, there's no point in giving out about the Aviva no, like no, every single time. No, like, no, you know what I mean? Like, like this, it's no, just it a was really good. Thing. It was really good this weekend. Yeah. French crowd were unbelievable. Yeah. But the the fact that That's there's going to be a TMO decision after almost every try. So after the low one, every, everybody's obviously quiet yeah. for five minutes. Yeah. Then a conversion is, unlike other sports, it's then an important part of the game too where you stand and watch as opposed to just going right to the next play. So there's always like six, seven minutes at least of delay. So you're kind of you're silenced anyway by that. Yeah, mm, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. No, I, well, that's just always a bugbear. And honestly, I, like, I go to Crow Park and it's so annoying that the last, the, the 20 minutes before a throw-in, you basically can't have a conversation with him because the, bla- the noise mm. of, the, of ads and everything on the big screen, it's just like people, the hustle and bustle of a crowd is actually what, what a large yeah. amount of people actually want to hear rather than ads for fucking super value or something. Yeah. You know? So open talk of slams, that's okay now, isn't it? If Sexton's doing it, then... Talking about slams. You can, you can talk about slams, side. There's no problem. You can talk about slams. You can talk about World Cup finals if you want. Mm. You can do whatever you want. Well, we've got to win a championship. This team is way too good to not yeah. win a championship. Yeah. And yeah. no matter what happens, barring an absolute disaster, the England visit in March will still be in line for a championship, at least. In line for a championship, yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. But, I mean, the idea, the thought of losing to Scotland in Murrayfield, for a variety of reasons, some <laughs> personal, some national, uh, you know, that... I'm going to say, for podcast content reasons, that would be an amazing... Well, that would be an amazing result. If we're going to lose to someone, but win the championship, I'd rather lose to Scotland and then beat England on the last day to win the championship, mm, yeah. rather than lose to England, but win the championship having lost. You know, having It'd be good for all the people England. who hate Murph and bad for the rest of the nation. Thanks, Murph.
uh, well, majority then, vast majority then. <laughs> thank you, Owen. Thank Simon. you, Simon. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, thank Owen. you, Thanks, Owen. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, and thank you, Rugby. Thanks for listening today. We do hope you consider signing up to hear our Super Bowl chat with US Murph, Arsenal against Man City coverage. That's all on the World Service this week. You'll obviously hear every episode ad free if you become a member. The Second Counts podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. <laughs> That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.